This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, we continue with the Doors series with a message entitled, Open the Door to Forgiveness. Dale Carnegie once said, When we hate our enemies, we give them power over us, power over our sleep, our appetite, and our happiness. This power can be overcome through the power of 70 times 7, as stated in Matthew 18. Let's join Dr. Roosh right now for more. The title today is Open the Door to Forgiveness, Part 3, Open the Door to Forgiveness. The first door that we're going to talk about today, and it's the most important door, is the door of unforgiveness, and to consider the impact that it has on our life. And I want you to see and hear the story of Renee. Renee was a mom who had a tragic accident happen with her son, and now she's been on a journey of forgiveness. I want you to go ahead and watch this story. My son Antonio was uh, visiting his dad, and he loved to skateboard, and so he'd been kind of out and about skateboarding and uh, was on his way back to his dad's. And um, there was a gentleman who was driving, and he had just left a bar and um, hit Antonio from the back, so Antonio never even seen it coming. Then he took off. We get to the hospital, and you know there was a sheriff there, and he said, are you Renee? And I said, yes. And he said, uh, you know, Antonio uh, was hit and he didn't make it. And I didn't believe it. I said, show me him, let me see him. And we go back into the room and I felt like I was in a nightmare. It did not seem real at all. at a briefing the next morning. They were gonna put the story out there that it was an accident. Going on uh, TV, I just pleaded, and I said, you need to do the right thing and turn yourself in. I actually went through uh, some of Antonio's things getting ready for the funeral, and uh, one of the papers that stuck out was from his Bible study and in his own words said, God forgives and I must forgive. And that spoke a lot to me. Uh, I felt like Antonio was uh, telling me from, you know, beyond the grave that you need to forgive this guy. What I come to know is that in this life, we're gonna walk through something, whether it's the loss of a child, the loss of a mom, the loss of a friend, just whatever it may be, we're gonna be walking through something. If I'm holding on to, you know, 99% anger, God can only fill me with 1% joy. And I don't want that. I want God to fill me with 100% joy and no anger and no bitterness. You know, that song, You're a Good, Good Father, was real popular. Our church would sing it all the time. And I'm like, how can I sing, You're a Good, Good Father, when I just lost my son? And the Lord said, you know what? Little by little, 
stand up during the song, then, you know, start singing it. And what happened was I would just tear up and it was hard and my flesh would fight with me and I just kept pressing on it and I felt healing in that. I can sing now, you're a good, good father. And and smile instead of uh, be sad about it. What a powerful, powerful story that's still going on. And uh, Renee has opportunity to deal with uh, forgiveness or unforgiveness, potentially on a minute-by-minute or hour-by-hour or day-by-day basis, but her son had shown her the way. And uh, that is the kingdom of God. You see, your uh, uh, pain and your story might not be as extreme as this one, You might have been hurt by a boss or a family member or a coach or a friend or a spouse or there might be things around you that a cross word was spoken to you or mean things were spoken into your life. And so we all have different vantage points that we approach the issue of forgiveness from and yet the kingdom of God is a little bit in contrast with the world around us. You see, today's culture is offended about everything. I mean, if you think about it, people get outraged because of something posted on social media. And we're offended because something somebody said or somebody did something. And our culture has trained us to deal with our frustrations by holding on to anger, by holding on to offense. People put others on blast and something is done wrong and they shout it out to the world around them. But, and it's destroying marriages, it's, it's hurting friendships, and it's not really helping anybody. And it's a subtle thing, this thing called offense that weaves its way into our heart. And even as Christians, we can become offended instead of forgiving. People are retreating into echo chambers of thought only speaking or with people that think just like them. And then we share our rage together. And then even worse, people choose to bury their hurt and mull over it in their minds. And they see someone similar to someone who had hurt them. And it's a trigger. And now we begin to affect our relationships with the people around us. Friends, the door of offense leads to unforgiveness, which leads to bitterness. Let me say it again. The door of offense leads to unforgiveness, which leads to bitterness. It affects us. It's like we go in that door, and we step into that door. And once we open the door to offense, and how many know we have lots of opportunity to do it on a day-to-day basis? We step into that door, and as we move in, it leads us to some place. It might start with a small offense, but it will lead to unforgiveness, which leads to bitterness. And has anybody ever heard the phrase, when it comes to bitterness, bitterness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It affects us, and it goes deep inside of us. It affects us physically. Doctors will tell you that when we relive how people have hurt us, we release adrenaline, 
and cortisol into our bloodstream. There's a physical response to that. And then there's a sugar release that revs our muscles up and it clots the blood and it surges in the, in the blood. And all this works to wear down the brain, which leads to cell atrophy and memory loss. All because we relive that thing over and over again. It causes back pain and headaches and insomnia and it raises our blood pressure, hardens our arteries and increases heart disease. Turn to the person next to you and say, please forgive. <laughs> because it's affecting us physically, all right? Dale Carnegie, great motivational expert, he said, when we hate our enemies, we give them power over us. Power over our sleep, our appetites, our happiness. It also affects our relationships. So it doesn't just go inwardly. It affects how we relate to the world that's around us. Unforgiveness acts like a virus that spreads and it impacts our relationships. When you can't forgive, you keep the door closed to the grace that Jesus offers. And then you can't trust other people. Fear is nearby and it's ready to own you. It affects us. You ever heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people? But I want you to know today, that's not the focus of my message. Forgiven people forgive people. And friends, there is hope. There's a better way to, to handle these kind of offenses that lead to unforgiveness, that lead to bitterness. There's a better way. Jesus came to show us that way. And I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 18 today. In fact, get your Bibles out. It's important for you to actually look at it today. Where Jesus addresses 2019. He gets all up in your business with this story, okay? He has a way of weaving himself in. You're like, ah, oh, this is just self-help stuff. This is just uh, talk that try to make people feel good about themselves. No, Jesus addresses the core issue of offense that leads to unforgiveness, that leads to bitterness. Matthew 18 Peter, one of his disciples, asks him a question. This is interesting because Peter, Peter says what's on his mind. How many have somebody like that in your life? They just say it. They ask the question nobody will ask, right? They're, Peter's the guy. He says, somebody said something about me on, on Facebook. So how many times should I forgive them? So he said in verse 21, and Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Sounds like a lot, right? And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. So Jesus begins to take him into a journey. Now, many people end with that, and when you're reading it, and you stop with that, and 70 times seven, and, and they f figure out how many times exactly it is, and then they forgive him their last time. That's not what Jesus is saying. Okay? Jesus is saying it's way more and it's more regular than you would ever think. There's seven days in a week, 70 times seven. Thinking in terms of this is something you're going to have to do over and over and over again. Look what he says to illustrate what he's saying with the 70 times seven. He says, therefore, verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, okay? And he couldn't pay. And so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. How many know that's a bad day, right? 
It says, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. And his fellow servant fell down before him. Now it's this guy's opportunity to fall down before him and beg for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay for it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put him in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's, why my heavenly that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your what? Jesus deals with this thing really, really aggressively. Peter asks a simple question. How many times should I forgive? And he's saying, he's going to give me a little answer and I'm just going to do it and check that off the list. No, Jesus goes for the jugular. Jesus goes, okay, so now you're talking about forgiveness? Let's, let's, let's talk. We're going to have a little bit of a conversation. This is going to be something where I'm going to deal with you in your heart because this is such a big deal for your health. You need to invite the kingdom of heaven, a different way of thinking, a different way than you were raised to do it, a different way than your family of origin told you how to handle, a different way than the rules of society around you. You need to handle this in a different way. And if you don't, then I'm going to tell you a story. This story is going to reveal you're the man, you're the woman, you're the person that I'm talking about. You're forgiven. But you also must forgive. So how do you look at this? You need to consider what is Jesus saying? Well, I'm going to give you just right up front. Since God has forgiven us our great debt of sin, he now expects us to forgive sins others commit against us. Since God has forgiven us our debt of sin, our great debt of sin, he now expects us to forgive sins of others and what they've committed against us. This is an interesting, courageous, difficult, impossible expectation. But Jesus does it nonetheless. See, this is a consistent theme in scripture. You're not just gonna find it in the story. Ephesians 4.32, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Colossians 3, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Mark 11, but when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Matthew 6, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. See, it's not just one moment. This is repeated throughout Scripture. And you're like, okay, I'm doing that. Well, how do I know if I need to forgive someone? 
How do we know if we're supposed to forgive someone? Let me give you a few things. First, do we want them to be punished? Is there something in us that wants them to be punished? We're holding on to it. We're not going to forgive because we want them to be punished. That's what the man in the parable wanted to do. He threw the person who owed him into prison. He wanted the man to suffer for what he owed him. And in the same way, if we haven't forgiven someone, most likely we want them punished. Secondly, how do we know if we are in need to forgive someone? Do we want repayment of their debt? We're not going to forgive them until they pay us back. When, we, when people sin against us, we often use debt statements to describe our feelings. They owe me. They're going to pay for that. I'm going to get even with them. Third, how do we know? Have we kept a list of what they've done to us? Do we have a list somewhere? The unforgiving man in the parable knew exactly how much the other man owed him. And he kept a ledger. He kept a record. He knew what the other man's debt was. It was a few thousand dollars. And holding on to the list opens the door to bitterness. Now here's the thing. Some of us have lists and we know exactly. I brought a little notepad with me to church today. And, and we, could, we could pull it out and, and get our pen and, and we, could, we know when and where and what somebody has said to us and we could write it down and we've got a journal. Maybe it's not in our physical journal, but we've got a list in our brain. Every time we see that person, every time we think of that person, we bring up the list. How they cheated on us, how they stole from us, how they lied to us. And we remember the exact day and the time. Friends, we may need to burn the list. Forgiveness is a door that releases bitterness out of your heart. It opens the way for the peace and the grace of God into our hearts. So we hold on to it. It goes in us. It creates poison. It destroys things around us. So let me ask you, how long do you want to hold on to it? How much longer? How many more things do you want it to impact? How much more impact do you want it to affect your marriage or your friendships or your relationships, the quality of life? Maybe you can't even trust people because you're holding on to your bitterness, to your offense. What if instead you follow Jesus and you open the door to forgiveness? What could happen? So you say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, how do we open the door to forgiveness? There's possibility in here. In fact, the scripture lays out different things like Proverbs 10, 12, love covers over all wrongs. 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers over a multitude of sins. 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love keeps no record of wrongs. There is possibility through love of doing this. So let me give you just a few things that we can do to begin to open the door to forgiveness. The first is this, remember the cancellation of your debt. Remember that. We get too far away sometimes and pride fills our heart and we forget that we're sinners saved by grace. Ephesians 4.32, instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When we remember God's forgiveness in our life, it's powerful. He's forgiven us of our sins. 
He's overlooked us, if you will. How many of you know we don't deserve how good he treats us? Grace is God's intentional decision to bypass our failure and love us. It's his choice to do that. And forgiveness begins with your relationship with the Father. I want you to do this right now. I want you to take a moment in the middle of this message. And I want you to remember how much God has forgiven you. Think about it. Think back over the years. Think back to this week. Think back to the things you've done that you regret. And how he still took crooked things and made it straight. That he, he was able to take what the devil meant for evil and turn it to good. Remember it. Remember it. You know what remember is like? The, word, the, the R is like to do over again or to put back together again. Members could be like puzzle pieces. In the puzzle pieces of your life, to remember is to put those pieces back together again. And you can choose to put back the pieces of brokenness and offense and hurt and bitterness. You can continue to reassemble that puzzle all the time. Or you could reassemble all the things that God has forgiven you of. And when you immerse yourself in the picture of who Jesus is to you and his great love for you, you don't have room to walk into the other. Starts with remembering him and bringing it to your father. How do we keep the door open to forgiveness? Secondly, cancel the debt or the offense in your heart by giving it to God. Cancel it by giving it to God. Now, this doesn't mean that it's over once and for all. Jesus said 70 times 7. This is something that we have to do regularly. But we can release and renounce our feelings connected to that debt, our offense, our bitterness, our hatred, our desire for re revenge, and burn the list. We can do that, but we can do that by turning it over to God. Not just by getting rid of it ourselves, but by actually taking it to God. Holding on to unforgiveness prevents you from experiencing freedom because it stays in your heart. It's holding it in. It's holding it in. When you hold it in, it's in your heart and it's in your hands and you can't control it. It's out of control. How many know the more you think about somebody that hurts you, the more out of control things get and the more it skews everything else in your life. Because you're holding it in. What if you were able to turn it over? Say, God, there's something you're good at that I'm not. God's commanded us to love, to forgive, but not to trust. So let me just take a moment here. Some of you have been wronged by somebody. There's people that have been raped in here. There's people that have been abused in here. People that have been wrong. And it is wrong. I'm not saying forget all of that. And I'm not saying all of a sudden you be need to begin to trust those same people. No, 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 no. Once they've crossed boundary lines, you don't trust them. You guard yourself. You don't let them back in, right? But what I am saying is this. We can learn to love and turn that person over to God. How many know he's a better judge than we are? We can learn to get it out of our hearts. We can learn to be forgiving. I love the forgiving phrase. If you were to write I-N-G somewhere in your notes, 
Forgiving means regular patterns. It's not forgive, it's forgiving. And learning to be a forgiving person. To pray for them. Um, One of the things that I think is a great pattern is every time somebody comes to mind that bothers me or, or hurts me or offends me or there's tension between me and that person, if I keep it in my head and my heart, I'm not really good at handling that. But if I can pray for that person, something begins to change in my heart. Pray for that thing that bothers you. Pray for that person that bothers you. When you do, you turn it over to God, and then your heart changes. And it may come back again into your mind, but don't let it go from your mind to your heart by ruminating on it all the time without giving it to God. Pray for them. Matthew 7, Jesus said, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Friends, I'm telling you, Jesus, when he said it, it's serious. How do we open the door to forgiveness? The third thing is this. Trust the supernatural help of the Spirit. Trust the supernatural help of the Spirit. Because I'm going to be honest with you. It is impossible to forgive. It's not natural, human. When we look in the mirror, we might go, there's other people in the room. They're really good at it. They're easier to forgive. No, 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 they're not. It's not natural. It's natural to be self-justifying. It's natural to hold on to pride. It's natural to get angry at somebody else. We need the supernatural help of the Spirit. Jesus said, my kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is like this. My kingdom provides stuff you aren't going to get anywhere else in your life. You go to work tomorrow and you're going to be around a bunch of people that are angry and talking behind the back of people around them. And you're going to get into that mix and it can kind of get into your heart. And if you follow that way, it will destroy you. But if instead you invite the kingdom, the spirit to, to bring the kingdom of God into your life, and you admit your inadequacy and allow the spirit to lead, he will help you forgive. There's a natural part and a supernatural part. You do your part and God will do his part. There's a release of it to God. Please help me. So if you're in a place where you're like, I don't know what to do. I know I have unforgiveness in my heart. I know I have bitterness in my heart. But I don't know what to do about it. Go through the steps and talk to the Father and cancel the debt. Do the things that we've been talking about. But at the end of the day, you also need to say, like the Father said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services and Wednesday prayer services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.